in the SGC conference room. Let me start that again, because that should be <laughs> one sentence or one part of a sentence and not just separate words. <laughs> We're both doing good. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And every other week, we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. <laughs> K-N-A-N-T and H-N-Y, all in caps. I like yeah. it. <laughs> what does that spell? I don't know how to spell. <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> How are you today? I'm, I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm okay. I'm grumpy. Oh. I almost spilled my beer all over my microphone and that would have made me even more grumpy. Yes. <laughs> that would make me grumpy too. Oh, I'd have been so sad. Sorry. But yeah, otherwise I'm fine. That's good. Just grumpy. Yeah. I spent the entire day grading boring things and I hate grading stuff, so... <laughs> Stop assigning them things you have to grade. God. This class, it's not my decision for this class. It's a oh. lab that I have to teach. Like, the lecturer coordinates all of the microbiology classes. So I have to teach whatever he decides that we are assigning in micro. So, so yeah, for that one, it's not my not my choice. I try to minimize my grading as much as possible <laughs> in the classes where I can choose what I'm assigning. Go rogue. <laughs> like I'm SG-1 sure cool. did. I yes, just like them. <laughs> I am hoping to get rehired next semester, so probably oh, not the best choice. I guess. <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> my uh, my fort is smelly. I should have. I bought um for for my for my new. F- I am not the reason my fort is smelly. I just want to throw it out there, just in case that's what you were thinking. <laughs> I just assumed. <laughs> I've met you. <laughs> Thank you. I bought blankets uh new uh like moving blankets to use Mm -hmm. uh instead of my comforter to cover the thing but i should have aired them out first i like just ripped them out of the plastic and put them up and i'm like "Mm, it's a little chemically in here yeah hopefully i don't die from that don't pass out from any kind of weird fumes that would be i'll try if i do i'll try to fall to my right which is where the my little doorway is so that at least my head will be in the fresh air then (laughs) Well, that'll that'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully not. Right, but then then you're gonna actually like build yourself a a full on little like cabin thing. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that's the plan. I might have also gotten a knife enough. A knife. I don't have a knife. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have knives, but not. I got myself enough pipes. I think that uh, I might be able to do if I want to keep sitting on the floor. I could make a little mini fort and the regular. Uh, larger size one that will encompass me sitting in an actual chair excellent so i'll have options hopefully hang on i need to answer this phone call hang on oh yeah we've been waiting for two months for this couch we moved two and a half months ago Uh, and it was supposed to be here like a week after we moved in and it was delayed oh my god so we've had no couch that's depressing (laughs) so i didn't want to risk missing that call because i was like oh gee it's my couch no (laughs) Anyway, you were saying before I got distracted and cut you off, we were talking about your new um, thing that you're building. Oh, and that's yeah. That's going to be super exciting. Yeah, I think it was uh, It was the instructions. They were talking specifically about musicians, but I was like, that's going to work for me. Yeah, I ha- absolutely. Because I have like nothing on my walls. I have almost no furniture in like half my rooms, and that's just because I don't need it. Mm-hmm. And so there, and there's no carpeting, so everywhere is super echoey. So, yeah. A little room within a room will be fun. Right. Yeah. Which is, that's fantastic. And it's disassemblable, so. Nice. Yeah. Because I also, also can't, nice. like, yeah. staple sound panels to the walls <laughs> or anything of my apartment. Right. I'll probably do that in this closet here eventually, but for now, the curtains, I think, are working pretty well. Well, the curtains. <laughs> so, maybe not. Because, yeah, I don't really want to put a whole bunch of stuff. Because, again, you know, same thing. It's an apartment now that we are in. So, I yeah. don't want to be putting a whole bunch of holes in the wall. Yeah. That yeah. seems like, yeah. Yeah. Not, not the best idea. So No. 
So yeah, although I'm probably never getting any of my deposit money back on this apartment, so maybe <laughs> I should just go for it. Do it. <laughs> we only paid three hundred dollars on the deposit for this place because they were doing a special. So nice. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so not that big of a deal, like the several thousand dollars that we paid at the last place that we were in for our deposit, which yeah. we actually did get all of that back, thankfully. But oh, Nice. Um, yeah. But I'm sure they could still bill us, I suppose. If they yeah. Really well, that's the thing. I mean, they could probably just bill me above and beyond if they're like, this costs more than your deposit. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. <sighs> Renting stuff. Good times. I can't say that it's any worse than being a homeowner, though, because we <laughs> did not have a great experience with being homeowners, oh. which is why we're now back to renting. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have to shovel sidewalks in winter unless I really am bored. And yeah. that's really nice. And I have no outside upkeep, which I actually wouldn't mind overall doing if somebody else were around to do all the inside cleaning. Because yeah. I'm no, I don't want both, though. You also don't have to worry about things breaking faster than you can afford to fix them and being underwater on your mortgage for the entire 10 or more years that you own the place so that when you finally do sell the house, it's at a huge loss. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the best investment you can ever make. Oh, yeah. Unless you're apparently us because it was not at all an investment for us. <laughs> I feel like that's just a big lie they tell you so they can saddle you with huge debt. Yeah. I think it probably used to be true, but it is not so true these yeah. days, I feel like. Not with things being <laughs> as they are. Yeah. And this is like before the pandemic times too. So it's not like we can blame the pandemic on our house issues. It was no. the whole housing bubble bursting thing that that was our issue. Right. God, that happened too. Jeez. Mm -hmm. That did. We bought our house like right in the middle of that. <laughs> We're like, oh, mortgage rates are getting really good. Let's go get a mortgage. So we did. And then mortgage rates continued to drop and the housing market continued to get to be more and more of a um, buyer's market. like <laughs> So we were like kind of in the beginning of that dip down, and then it just kept set, sinking Ooh. down and down more from there, and we lost out. Not a cool. Lot. No. But, but you're out of it now, and yay! Doing good. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Yep. And you're getting a couch. We're yeah. getting a couch. <laughs> Woo! Lily is going to be so happy. Lily has been so sad to not have a couch because she just wants to sit next to yeah. people. But there's no room. Like, Coconut's okay sitting on, on lap. She likes yeah. to sit next to, but she's perfectly happy sitting on a lap. But Lily's a little bit bigger. She prefers to sit next to somebody. But with the chairs that we have that are just, like, uh, not really even full armchairs, there's no room for her to sit next to us in the chairs. Poor so she Lily. has to sit on the floor and she has a dog bed to sit on, but a lot of the time coconut's on it. So then she has to sit <laughs> on coconut's small bed and it's just tragic. <laughs> coconut's kind of an asshole sometimes. Coconut's a huge asshole, yes. <laughs> she's really a dick. I love her because she's great, but she's such an ass. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Season two. Season two. We made it to wow. season two. We did. I had a hell of a time trying to write season two as the title of this, my note thing, my note thing, <laughs> instead of writing one episode 22 or whatever. Or apparently, yeah. I was, apparently I was so excited about it that I wrote it twice on mine. <laughs> nice. Season two, season two, episode one. Yes. <laughs> The Serpent's Lair. The Serpent's Lair, season mm -hmm. two. Here we are. So we pick up right where season one cliffhanger ends with SG-1 standing, staring out the window of the ship they're on, seeing that they're very, very close to Earth. I like that they started out, like, the, the last episode ended with them zooming out that window, and this one started in with them zooming in through that same window that we had just zoomed out in the last episode. Yeah, that was a, nice. A summer or so ago, if, <laughs> if this was back in the 90s. Yeah. I thought it was a, an interesting effect. Yeah. We did get a little previously on, in case you did have to we wait did. three months and forgot what happened. We did, but which since, I skipped over. Yeah. Since we... It hasn't been three months. No. <laughs> we watched this recently. The first... We did. Last week. Yes. <laughs> So we were good. Yeah. So the team confirms for Jack that they had put enough C4 around the ship to be able to make a huge impact on it when it goes off. They have locked themselves in this room, but they're expecting that somebody's going to come through the door at them any moment. Jack, <laughs> Jack tells them to get ready to detonate the C4. 
Daniel tells him to hang on a second because he had a surprise C4 hidden still on his person. So he <laughs> applies it to the, the control panel console thing in the room. Convenient. Yeah. Jack thinks maybe it's time to say something profound, but can't think of anything to say. So <laughs> not, not that surprising. No. <laughs> so he gives the let's do it uh, command. But then, as usual, Teal'c is the one that notices out the window that something's <laughs> going on. Yeah, why isn't anyone else more observant besides Teal'c? I don't know. And Teal'c sees Apophis's ship is there, which is a surprise to them. But Daniel's like, oh, right. He was going to rejoin Chlorel once they were out of the shadows. So Teal'c delivers some bad news that blowing up this one ship is not going to have an effect on the second one. And it will continue on its path and destroy Earth. Womp womp. Yeah. Terrible. Mm-hmm. So they hear some noise coming from outside. So think people are trying to break in the room. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how much of this information we need. I think it's important. Yeah. It gave a sense of urgency to it. Yeah. Like out there banging on the door trying to break in. True. Jack double checks with Sam that the C4 are on a timer. And she confirms that they're on to set to go off in 24 hours. And Jack's <laughs> like, what? And she's like, well, at the time... I had other information and thought we had more time. They have no way to escape the room, they confirm, so they prepare for a firefight. Jack says it's a bad day, which does seem to be a pretty bad day. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. Yeah. So as soon as the doors start to open, they open, SG-1 opens fire on the Jaffa trying to come through. But the Jaffa then throw a sphere into the room that makes a big flash and knocks the entire team out. Credits. 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 I actually watched the credits again this time, too, to see if there was any, like, significant difference between first and second season. Me I didn't too. notice any if there were. I didn't notice either. Maybe that's yeah. maybe they'll do that later. I know that they do. This is not the credits we get for the entire season, but. Yeah. An unknown room. Tilk wakes up. And calls out to Jack, who reaches his hand up and, like, smacks Teal'c in the face. <laughs> Apparently they're both blind, so Teal'c didn't see it coming, and Jack didn't know what he was reaching <laughs> for. But Teal'c says that it won't last. Jack just gestures and puts his hand down, but apparently he puts it right down on Sam's face, and so she <laughs> freaks out and bites him, <laughs> and he screams. But then he says that he appreciates her spirit. Daniel is apparently awake too here, and he is not too pleased to be blind and is back into his pity party for himself thing, not really even acknowledging that, like, you know, all of Earth is doomed. Doomed! And everyone else is blind, but Daniel's kind of just feeling sorry for himself here. So Jack tells everyone to stay calm because they've been in worse situations before, and Tilk's like, "Mm, not to my knowledge. (laughs) Daniel reiterates that the gold are getting ready to wipe out Earth completely from space. And Jack's like, well, you've been through it before and you survived. Just relax. But what he didn't really seem to be caring about here or remembering here is the fact that, like, he and everybody else on the SG team died in that whole battle. So he is being a little bit blasé (laughs) about that. So he's like, well, we just need, you know, we just need to figure out what's going on. And Sam says that she thinks her coming, her vision's coming back. So Jack says if she sees anyone coming, then she should bite them in the hand. (laughs) Then we see Chlorel being put into a sarcophagus by a Jaffa. It closes. An angry Jaffa yells at another one whose head is bound. And the man with the bowed head vows not to fail Chlorel again, but... His boss apparently is not hearing it because he kills him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's that scene. Yep. <laughs> the important part is that Chlorel is clearly not dead. So Yeah. Yeah, and you know, last episode too, I had totally like not even really thought about the sarcophagi and totally forgot about the whole resurrection thing that they can do, so I wasn't expecting this either. Crazy. Yeah. In the SGC, Hammond's coming down the stairs into the control room and finds, uh, what was his name? Colonel Samuels? Yeah. Major Samuels? 
I can't remember. He got a promotion, but I don't remember what it was. So maybe I'm I, pretty sure he's a major now. I'm just gonna call Wait, him. No, maybe not. Just call him Samuels. Samuels. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. Or Assface. Either one of those. He's <laughs> really the worst in this episode. He really is. <laughs> I like Assface. Yeah. Hammond wants to know what he's doing there. Samuels tells him that he is there to coordinate defense with the Pentagon at the request of the Joint Chiefs, but really at the request of Kinsey, who is another ass face. (laughs) Double ass face. He's like, we did try to contact you. Hammond wants to know why all, all hands are not on deck, why it's not a full alert. Samuel says the current thinking at the Pentagon is to do nothing so as not to alert the gold that Earth knows that they are there. Hammond is skeptical. Wants to know whose idea that was. Samuel then says, I seem to have lost your respect for whatever reason. I cannot imagine (laughs) what that reason is. (laughs) And then he just plows right into but if you had listened to me at the start and we just buried the stargate none of this would be happening and hammond calls him out on his i told you so yeah that was he's just the worst (laughs) he is kind of the worst uh samuels is there to coordinate a preemptive strike against the ships they're just waiting on presidential approval he says they've developed a weapon at Area 51 with Colonel Mayborn, who is another favorite person. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> they have some pro- prototypes and they are ready for launch. He says if it all goes according to plan, history will mark this day with two bright flashes in the night sky and the world will never know how close it was came to Armageddon. Or the day sky if you don't happen to be in the U.S., but we'll ignore that. Yeah. Apparently, yes. They also don't have a specific time. It might not even be night in the U.S. when that happens. So true. Yeah, very true. He's just trying to be poetic. I like that Hammond here is dressed in fatigues instead of like his normal button down. Yeah. So he's looking like he's ready for action. He is ready for action. Yeah. Speaking of clothing, did you notice that most of the people in the control room in this episode are all wearing lab coats? And I could not, I I can't, I don't know why. That is weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's not normally the case. No. They normally just either wear like the the same kind of button down shirt or fatigues. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, there was just a bunch of people in lab coats. What are you guys doing? Don't know. Strange. Yeah. I guess that's how we know that it's serious (laughs) now. (laughs) I always pull out my lab coat for serious things. Who doesn't? (laughs) It's the only time I wear a lab coat. Yeah, obviously. Out in one of the ships, we don't really know exactly which one at this point, we get the fun ring transporter that we haven't seen in a while. And we have a meeting between the Jaffa that seemed to be heading Chlorel's guard and Apophis himself. And the guard tells Apophis that Chlorel is healing. And that SG-1 is being held until Chlorel arrives. But Apophis orders him to kill them right away. And the guard says that he'll handle it himself. More rings as that guard is out. And an advisor of some sort comes up and tells Apophis that they're going to hold their position where they are. I guess probably still around the area of Saturn, I think it was. But that Earth still seems to pose no challenge for them. Not really anything happening that would make them think that Earth has any kind of defense for the attack that's coming. But Apophis is skeptical and is like, well, they still found a way to my son. And he says they're going to attack when Chlorel has risen and that Earth is going to pay 100-fold for their insolence. I also wanted to mention that Apophis's makeup in this episode, to me, seemed particularly on point, And he was a very striking figure, I was going to say, and, he had a yeah. good resolve face in this, in this he uh, did. scene. It was... I think he was... He was also looking a little bit more buff under his armor. I feel like a lot of the time, because his, his armor is so big, he kind of has like come across as being more like, like a little, like yeah. kind of a little kid because he's just got kind of a small head and this giant armor. But yeah, I don't know if it's the the shape of the armor or they changed his makeup or a little bit of both or maybe he is more buff. But he he was a much more imposing figure in, in yeah. this scene in particular. I felt than we've really seen before. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. In the SGC conference room, a bunch of people are sitting around at a table while Samuels is briefing them on 
what's going on? They have noticed that the ships are, have not approached any further towards Earth, but he says that that unexplained delay is buying them more time to prepare. They're planning to launch their strike as soon as the ships enter orbit. Hammond asks kind of bitingly what, what makes, makes this, this weapon, weapon so, special? so special. And Samuels has a computer displaying the placement of Naquita bombs inside a rocket, which will make the explosion in excess of 1,000 megatons each. Yeah. A nuclear rocket. Ah, to yes. To be exact. I actually, I wasn't sure. I did look it up. It is nuclear. Nice. <laughs> I figured it probably was, but I checked. And then he says with a smirk, we call, we call them, them our gold busters. busters. <laughs> like yeah. it's a clever thing. It's just like, <laughs> so pleased with himself. He really was. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to launch these two rockets in retrograde orbit. They've got a graphic showing them hitting the ship's and blowing them up on impact. He says the rockets are made of the same stealth material that their stealth aircraft are made of. And he thinks they should go undetected by radar. Hammond's like, that's assuming they have anything remotely like radar. <laughs> it's a pretty big assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel says that's their best shot, and I'm sure your bestie president agrees, or he wouldn't have approved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. T-minus three hours. There's even a countdown. Yeah. T-minus three hours. They're going to mm-hmm. hold it two minutes, I guess, until they're actually ready to do it. Yeah. But- until the gold get in range, he said, because they are yeah. just chilling where they are. He assur- yeah. He assures Hammond that it's going to work and they will be caught completely off guard. And Hammond's like, well, if you're wrong, every country on Earth will be caught off guard. <laughs> good point Hammond yeah. <laughs> good so, point so that's fun I'm enjoying yeah. Hammond a lot in this episode I, I had, yeah I know <laughs> we make fun of him a lot but I thought that he was really good he in was this really good he was yeah. so disdainful of Samuels it's so good he's so sarc- really little, you know, hints of sarcasm and like oh it's so good yeah. yeah yeah not to mention like I said like the action gear he was looking good he just yeah, yeah. he was a uh, Hammond, He's a much more impressive figure, yeah. I felt, than he normally is. <laughs> Hammond and Apophis. Also a more impressive figure than he normally they're is. They're killing it. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Apophis, Hammond, yep. kicking ass. Yeah. Not that I should be cheering for Apophis, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I was just saying. He was striking. Right. Hammond yes. also kicking butt. Yep. Yeah. Back on Clarell's ship, Daniel says, well, on the bright side, my hand isn't blurry anymore. <laughs> Whatever, Daniel. Guards come up outside, and Jack and Tilk hide on either side of the door because the door takes its sweet-ass time loudly opening, so they've got all kinds of warning that there's people coming, not to mention they could hear them marching up outside a mile away. And then in walks Braytac, because apparently... The first prime on Clarell's ship is Braytac, which we didn't know before because he had his helmet on. And Braytac comes in and immediately punches Jack in the face (laughs) and calls them all fools and asks if they have any idea what he's had to do in order to regain the trust of Apophis and join this campaign. And then Tilk and Braytac have a cute little greeting in in a brief little moment and... Braytac tells Teal'c that his son is growing strong, but that they shouldn't have come. And there are a few other guards in the background at this point, so I guess they're kind of cool with all that's happening. And later on, Braytac actually does confirm that these guys are on his side, but I was a little confused at the time about (laughs) about these extra guards who were just there watching. (laughs) Teal'c tells Braytac that he stands with his friends and says that Earth might be their only hope to overcome the Gwold. You're my only hope. So it's important to defend the planet and Braytac says that unfortunately he agrees and that he might have even been able to save Earth if the morons here hadn't gotten involved. <laughs> Jack's like, what do you think we've been trying to do? It is our world after all. And Braytac's like, well, this isn't the place to talk about this because I have been ordered to kill you, which I'm obviously not going to do. So just follow me. And they leave the room. <laughs> This was another one at the beginning that I liked the start of the scene. It wasn't the transition, but like outside before he opened the door, you mm-hmm. see the silhouette of the snake yeah. helmet opening. It was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty neat. It was. Yeah. yeah, they've done some cool stuff with this one. There were a couple other transitions. I think, well, maybe only one other 
couple transitions I've made notes of that I thought yeah. were interesting choices. Yeah. Made it more fun to watch. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Back in the SGC, Hammond and Walter are looking at the ships on a computer monitor. Hammond's like, they still haven't moved. Walter said, not in the last 18 hours. So some time has passed since the start of the episode because yeah. there was still 24-ish hours, right, before the thing was supposed to... Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. some time was passed fast. It's been quite a while. <laughs> Hammond's curious what they're waiting for. Samuels overhears and butts in and <laughs> says that his mission analysis team at the Pentagon thinks the gold are waiting to see what Earth does. Mm-hmm. He says the Russians or Chinese have not detected the ships, but they're not looking for them. He says they look vulnerable and unsuspecting to the gold. Hammond's like, got them just where you want them. Love it. Love it. So much disdain, which I did not express very well. Got them just where you want them, do you, Samuel? But it's just so good. Walter posits another reason for the delay, that there had been some sort of energy burst on one of the bridges of the ship. So they had been able to notice something, but they don't know what they noticed. And they don't really know if it's part of the normal function of the ship. But Walter, I think, tends to think not because Mm -hmm. it came from inside the ship. Yeah. So they think maybe explosion. So Hammond's like, or sabotage. So they both think SG-1. Samuels laughs. (laughs) He's like, I hardly think so. It's impossible to gate to his ship. I know how important they are to you, but it's wishful thinking. And Hammond's like, so's your plan. (laughs) But it hasn't stopped us from going ahead with it. Yep. So, yeah. (laughs) Sam, yeah. yeah. So much good. So, uh, uh, Hammond. And then somebody comes in and tells Hammond that the first group for um, the alpha list has just arrived. So Ah. I guess that that is the... This Earth version of the beta list on the other planet. And she's wearing a lab coat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Back on Clorel's ship, Braytac is handing out weapons. Braytac says that assaulting Clorel made his plan completely impossible because with the gold, Pharaoh's power is more often challenged by his own sons than by his enemies. So what Braytac had planned was to wait for the battle to start. And then while Apophis was distracted, he was going to take as many people as he could to go and attack Apophis himself. And then he would blame Chlorel for it. And then Apophis, assuming Chlorel had ordered this battle, would then fight back. And they would essentially destroy each other. Tilk approves of this plan. <laughs> and Braytac said that he wanted to drive a stake of mistrust between them. But now they're probably just going to bond even more closely now that they, because they have a common enemy. Oops. And Jack's like, well, how can they bond when Clorel is dead? And he also has forgotten about the sarcophagus, as I did, and its ability to resurrect people. So Braytac's like, well, he's going to come back. Jack is very stunned to learn that. And then he does remember the sarcophagus. And he's like, you put him in that thing to bring him back? And Braytac's like, well, I wanted to buy you some time. So when the ships from your world get assembled, and Sam's like, ships <laughs> of our world? <laughs> Braytac's like, yeah, you know, you've, you're vessels. <laughs> Daniel's like, well, we have um, shuttles. <laughs> Braytac's like, formidable shuttles, right? <laughs> Jack's like, yeah, yeah, yep. bad day. <laughs> Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. <laughs> it was an amusing scene. <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah. Slow. Yeah, good humor. Uh, In the SGC, the gate is dialing, and Hammond is standing in front of it to a group gathered there. He's speeching at them that (laughs) the world faces a deadly threat. They volunteered for this mission to preserve humankind by starting a new colony, and the big surprise is that they're going to... As the gate opens, it whooshes yeah. behind him, which is a really nice look, by the way. But he's like, you're going to step through that thing, and then you're going to be on the other side of the galaxy. Surprise! Yep. Everyone's looking pretty stunned when they <laughs> yeah. show out on the crowd. He says, Godspeed. He does. <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah. Back up on Clarell's ship. Sarcophagus opens. 
Clarelle wakes up looking very pissed and says, let us burn their world to ashes. <laughs> and his eyes are so glowy. They are. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the Earth control room, Walter tells everybody in the room that they are moving. So they can see the ships are moving. And we see Hammond standing there with Samuels behind him. Samuels is on the phone and tells everyone to restart the countdown, hold at T minus 20 seconds, and they will launch the weapons the moment that the ships have settled into orbit. Assuming that they're going to settle into orbit, because how do they know that they're not going to just kind of do like a crop duster style flyby attack? But I mean, that's not what happens, but it seemed like a kind of big assumption to me. Who knows? Yeah. This guy assumes a lot of things. You assume too much. On Clarell's ship, Teal'c notices that they're accelerating and says Clarell must have risen. Braytac confirms that they must be preparing for battle. And so the fight's going to begin soon. And then as soon as it does, they're going to begin their own attack. So Jack's like, great, how many men do you have? And Braytac says, three. (laughs) He's very proud of those three. Jack is a little skeptical of that. (laughs) But then Braytac points out, well, Teal'c makes it four. (laughs) Jack's like, oh, of course, yes, four. (laughs) So much better. But Braytac points out that he has the utmost faith in his warriors because he's trained all of them since they were very young and has known them all for a very long time. And all of them have sworn their lives to him. But Jack's like, well, what are the odds of us taking out this ship with four gliders and maybe a shuttle? (laughs) Teal'c says that the ships are heavily armed and shielded and have legions of gliders to fight back against them. So their odds are not looking so good with this plan. So Jack points out that maybe they should have a new plan then, given all of that. Braytac gets really pissed at this point and is like, well, we offered to put down our lives for your world. You really can't ask us any more than that. And Jack says, well, no, I can't. But maybe a better plan is to get the other guys to lay down their lives for their world first before we lay down our own. Braytac and Teal'c exchange a look. Jack asks Sam how much longer they've got on the C4 timer. And apparently we're all the way down to 41 minutes with that one. And Jack says, with any luck, this ship blows up within the hour. So is there any way to get us to that other ship? And Braytac smiles. <laughs> oh, that Braytac. Clarell is at his control station. He can see Earth through the view screen. And he sticks his hand in the little control box, whatever. Yep. End of scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. In the SGC... Sam's, ooh, Sam's, that's Samuel's, <laughs> not, that's, that's my new nickname for him, Sam's. Sam's, your buddies. Yeah. You hate him, but. I hate him. You Sam's, hate him, but your buddies anyway. And my nickname for Ham, Ham, uh, Hammond is Hammy. Hammy. <laughs> you can have a Hammy Sam's? I don't know. That's weird. Anyway. A Hammy Sammy. Yeah. I want yeah. a ham sandwich. Oh, I think I'm going to have grilled cheese for dinner. Nice. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway. (laughs) Samuel says the ships are in geosynchronous orbit over the United States and they are a go for launch. We see on the computer monitor the rockets actually launching. Samuels is then staring at a different monitor which is showing a depiction, not actual photos because it's in space, of the rockets going towards the ships. How, I do have a question here. How oblivious are all of the other countries of the world that they don't notice that the U.S. has just launched nuclear weapons. It does seem... And nobody launches anything back in defense or in retaliation. Like, did we tell everybody, hey, we're just going to take these out for a test drive? Maybe. It's fine. Don't worry about these rockets that look like they're coming to your country because they're totally not, we swear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, yeah. thankfully there was no nuclear Armageddon as no, a result of all this. No, no. They, they did leave Earth. Yeah. So They left Earth. Yeah. No one noticed. Everything was fine. Walter says that, uh, I think Vandenberg reports it was a good launch, and Samuels grossly goes, yes! <laughs> Hammond is staring daggers at him. So Samuels realizes this and tries to soothe a little, like, I doubt SG-1 was aboard those ships. Yeah. Walters, or if they were, they were gonna die anyway. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> with that, so you know, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, 
Walters tells them that the weapons are set to reach their targets in four minutes. And Hammond says, in the meantime, we're going to keep moving people to the Alpha site. And Samuel's like, what's the point of that? This is totally going to work. And Hammond's like, mm, just in case. I think we'll just keep doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On Chlorel's ship, Braytech and all are getting ready. And he asks if Jack has any more four C's. <laughs> and Sam says they don't. Daniel's like, well, you've got to have something useful, right? And Braytac's like, we'll just cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> Jack's like, that, that cliche doesn't always work. That was a great callback to it when yeah, yeah. Jack used that. I also found that amusing. Yeah. Back in the SGC, Walter says that the warheads have separated, and Hammond asks if there is any indication of any countermeasures, but Samuels says he doesn't think they're going to know what hit them. He is feeling very confident here. On Apophis's ship in the control room, the advisor tells Apophis that they've launched weapons at us, and Apophis says, let them come. A lot of short scenes. Apophis, Back... Apophis is confident uh, yeah. with reason. I... <laughs> Yes, like Apophis is confident with reason. Much, much more reason than Samuels. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. In the SGC, Walter's counting down 30 seconds to impact and says there's still no countermeasures. And Samuels is like, go! <laughs> On Clarell's ship, one of the guards says to Clarell that their weapons approach, my lord. We must activate the shields. Apparently they haven't put up their shield yet, which is not a good idea. On Apophis's ship... Apophis is telling Clarell to tell Shock, which we don't get a translation of, but I think from the emphasis in it seemed to mean he was also telling Clarell to put the shields up. Back on Clarell's ship, Clarell watches the weapons come and he stares down at his hand and we actually see that his hand is shaking and his fingers are kind of stretched out, but they seem to be convulsing and like twitching, almost like they're trying to go and make a fist. So I was like, yay, go Scar! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because it's clear that they're trying to point out that Scar is fighting back. He is fighting against Clarell's control and trying to prevent the raising of the shields. Hell yeah. But then, unfortunately, Clarell does win out. His eyes go glowy. He spreads out his fingers. And we see a gold wavery sheen come down over the window. And the shields are now up. Missiles detonate just into the shield. And there is no impact on the ship. SG-1's walking through the halls of Clarell's ship. Yeah. They feel the impact. Daniel's like, what was that? Teal'c's like, something impacted the shield. In the SGC, Walter says Space Command reports the warheads struck an energy shield before they impacted the ship and there was no damage to the ships. Samuels is in denial. That's impossible! Yeah. <laughs> But NASA's confirmed it. You know it to be true. And Samuels starts to show a little bit of dread on his face. Yes. Just a little. Who would have thought I know. that their plan wasn't going to work? Nope. Oh, right. Hammond and everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Clorel's ship, the team's still walking through the corridors. As they sneak along the way, they are spotted and Jaffa open fire. Jack manages to shoot both of them despite their, like, very rapid fire onslaught. Braytac tells him, not bad. And they keep going. <laughs> In the SGC, Hammond's on his red phone with Bestie Prezi. He tells the president that not only did the bombs not work, but the EMP from, from the explosion affected satellite communication. So good job on that one, Samuels. Yep. yep. So he says it's pretty much, it's pretty difficult to warn the public in time to do anything but cause panic about the oncoming destruction of the world. Uh, he recommends they go to the highest defense con condition and advises the president to get on Air Force One. I mean, even if they had been able to tell people, we know that panic would happen anyway among like yeah. half the population. Oh, and yeah. then the other half of the population would be like, I'm protecting my castle. And then the other half, because there's three halves in this <laughs> scenario, would be like, this is a conspiracy of lies. We don't need to do anything. <laughs> yep. So, 
you know, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. (laughs) Especially if it's a thing you can't actually do anything about anyway. Exactly. Like, what are people going to do? You can't run and hide. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Apophis's ship rings come down and Apophis. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And behind Apophis, Clarell beams down. Uh, that's a great sound effect. <laughs> Apophis tells Clorel that he is going, that he, meaning Clorel, is going to burn the first city to the ground. But Clorel tries to tell his father that the host that he has chosen is a bit too strong. And Clorel's worried that he needs a little bit more time to gain more strength in the sarcophagus. But Apophis basically just tells him to stop being a wimp because he's Apophis's son. Right. <laughs> so Clorel's like, yes, father. And Apophis tells him, don't disappoint me. And Clorel beams back out to his own ship. On the other ship, SG-1 and Team Braytac are running. And then they stop and hide because there's those convenient corners <laughs> all over the place. And it looks clear, but Braytac says that there will be sentries in every corner. So SG-1 discuss maybe using a grenade, but Braytac asks what that is. And Tilk ex- describes it as a crude explosive device. And Braytac's like, no, we're not going to do that. Watch and learn. So he casually walks down the hall and comes up on a couple guards in the alcove, and those guards jump to their weapons, but then realize that they recognize Braytac, so they go back to standing at ease, and then Braytac very easily takes them out. <laughs> they could- Braytac's like, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't learn anything from that, because Braytac is the only one who could have accomplished that, because they weren't yeah. trying to right. <laughs> kill Braytac. So- a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, Jack could not have easily, uh, as easily, just wandered down the hallway. Just minding my own business. Don't mind me. Hey, how's yep. it going, guys? <laughs> Sup? <laughs> yeah, but that was. I still enjoyed it. It was. It was an amusing scene. Jack and Braytag being like, "Nice job, guys. Nice job to yep. you." Ooh, ooh. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Hemin comes in the control room at the SGC. He's informed. That Alpha Teams 12 and 13 have been sent through. Samuels is sitting down, looking really disheveled. <laughs> his tie is askew, his jacket's open, he's slouching. He's sitting there drinking, I'm guessing, coffee. Who knows? Maybe alcohol, really, at this <laughs> point. Why not, right? Yeah. It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. He asks Hammond if he's considered using the Stargate as a strategic weapon. Uh, by sending bombs either to the coordinates that Daniel gave them that he got from the parallel world or to Chulak. And Hammond's like, well, we already tried to send a team to those coordinates that Daniel gave us, and that was a no-go. And there is no military reason to kill the people of Chulak. So he is a better commander than O'Neill was on the alternate world. Apparently so. (laughs) Samuel asks, since I'm no longer wanted, needed here, if he can, if he can go to the Alpha site, and Hammond's like, denied. <laughs> we only send the best and the brightest through. Oh, so harsh, I loved it. <laughs> he tells Samuels that when the time comes, he will stand alongside and defend this facility. Samuels is like, but sir, and Hammond yelling over him is like, I ask no more of myself. Dismissed. And then he says dismissed yeah. with like the most disgust yes. <laughs> that you can possibly yeah. I think muster in a any voice. <laughs> dismissed. It was so good. It really was. Then we got a really cool transition like through the wall and then we were in the next scene, which was on Clarell's ship. It was really cool. It was. Really liked yeah. it. On Clarell's ship, Braytac and SG-1 are, surprise, surprise, in another hallway. (laughs) Jack tries to make a plan for what they're going to do, but Braytac is like, nope, I'm leading, you're following. And so they all flank the door, and Braytac goes in first. Daniel tries to object, but Braytac reminds him that he is the one that is the loyal servant here. Inside the Clarell room, Braytac comes in and is followed by another guard. Not sure if it's one of his own or one of Clarell's, probably doesn't really matter. And so he and Clarell greet each other out in the hall. SG-1 is still on either side of the door, just kind of watching and listening. I guess that's probably not important either. There's so many short scenes, and it's such there a fast-paced are, episode. Yeah. Inside the room, Clarell 
tells Braytac, I love this scene too, Corel tells Braytac to come and witness the power of his god, but Braytac says he cannot. And Clarell is pissed and wants to know why Braytac is defying him. And Braytac says, it's because you're not a god, but a parasite and a child, and I, I despise, despise you. <laughs> it was such a great it's scene. so good. Clarell is even more pissed, obviously, now, and raises his sparkle bling hand and shouts, I am your god, and you will feel my wrath, and he blings Braytac. Braytac says he will die free and drops to his knees and SG-1 takes that as their cue. So they run in and there's a firefight. SG-1 takes out all of the guards and they manage to catch Clarell out in the hall. Daniel, like a badass, like runs out in the middle of the hall and takes out a bunch of guards. Two but guns. is taken down in the process. He's got, yeah, he's got like two guns and he's running across the hall. You ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. You ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. But in the process, he is severely injured. He's got like a giant gaping wound on his shoulder. Jack comes out and tries to help him. But Daniel yells at him to go and leave him behind because he says that both ships are going to blow up anyway. So he's just going to be holding them back at this point and they're all going to die. So it doesn't really matter. Jack goes back in and tells the others that Daniel is staying behind. And Braytac does something at the controls and brings the ring down. And, and all the that we see getting into the ring now is Tilk, Jack, Braytac, Sam, and Clorel. So I guess all of Braytac's team was taken out in this whole fight mm. as well. So they a lot of people yeah. have gone down. They ring over to the other ship. And the last part that we get of that scene is Daniel crawling into the control room. Yeah after they've left. I have to say the despair that Daniel the way he said like what difference does it make and this like yeah. it, he sounded so hopeless. Have you ever fired your gun up in the air and gone ah? No I have not ever fired my gun up in the air and gone ah. He did. It was so good. Yeah. Like <sighs> this whole episode is just really good. Spoiler alert. Really good yeah, I spoiler loved alert. it. We both yeah. loved this episode. <laughs> In case you couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just well done. Well done, everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. The team zhuzhuzhuz into Apophis' <laughs> control room. The Jaffa ready to fire, but Apophis stops them as he spots the <laughs> Chlorel. So Teal grabs Chlorel and threatens to kill him if anyone fires upon their people. The team moves out. Apophis asks Braytac, how dare you betray me? And Braytac says, I have spent 133 years worshipping false gods. As he takes out his staff weapon and shoots Apophis's uh, control panel. No more, he says. So they leave, and as they're leaving, they shove a Chlorel into the room with Apophis, and then they shoot the door controls so that it will not open. So Apophis and Chlorel are trapped in there. Sam says there are six minutes to C4 boom. So Jack wants to know how they can blow up this ship. And Braytac lets them know he directed Chlorel's ship to be moved a little closer to Apophis's ship so that, as Teal'c realizes, if they just dis disable the shield generator, both ships will be destroyed in the expo explosion. So they're off to do that. Yeah. Yeah. In the ship control room, guards are trying to get the doors open, and Apophis is looking super pissed and goes up to Clarell and tells Clarell he disappoints him, and Clarell asks for forgiveness. It was sad. I felt bad for Clarell, even though <laughs> Clarell is, like, taken over by a demon hagfish, and it's, yeah. you know, really Scara, and he's stolen Scara's body. I still felt a little bad for him. I mean, you don't like to see a father being mean to his kid. Exactly. Like, that's yeah, not exactly. a good look. No. Out in some random MacGuffin room, as is always the case, the thing that you need to disable the shield generator. I guess it's not really a MacGuffin room. I thought it was. So um, it just reminded me of the Death Star core. Like exactly, yeah. They all look as like always, that way. Yeah, as is always the case. Whenever a shield generator needs to be disabled somewhere, it is in the center of a giant room that is like tens or hundreds of stories tall, and the only way to access it is a catwalk. And it is always either way too high up or way too far down from wherever <laughs> it is accessed by the heroes. And so, yes, as holds true for Star Wars, also holds true here. 
Uh, in this case, it is many stories below them. Braytech goes through this elaborate plan of how they're going to go down a bunch of decks and they can go across this way and out that way. But Jack just pulls out a couple grenades, pulls the pins and tosses them and it works. <laughs> they explode. They take out the shield generator. Braytech gives them a look. Jack's like, grenades. <laughs> so Tilk points out that the vessel is no longer protected by an energy field. Thank you, Tilk. Sam's like, that's it. Tilk's like, that's it. Jack says, I think what Carter is really asking is, well, what now? And Braytac says, now we die. <laughs> Jack says, that's a bad plan. <laughs> Where are those glider bays at? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> In the SGC, Walter says, Space Command reports these ships are moving closer together. Hammond wants to know the status of their shuttle Endeavor. And Walter says, it's standing by. And Hammond's like, we need to find out what's going on. Yeah, apparently they are actually running a shuttle. I thought yeah. that it was really just a joke before. Me too. They make it to the glider bay. Jack starts to make a plan, but this time Braytac cuts him off with a simpler plan. And he has one of those kind of flashbang things that we saw before, which he quietly rolls in. It goes off, makes a loud noise and a bright flash and takes everybody out in the glider bay. Tilk and Sam go to one glider. Braytac and Jack go to another one. Uh, Braytac tosses Jack an earpiece and says, human, put this on. <laughs> and Jack asks that Braytac please stop just calling him human. And then they take some little elevators up into the gliders. Woo! Back on Chlorel's ship, Daniel managed to get himself into the sarcophagus and he's done baking. So it pops open. <laughs> yeah. He wakes up, he gets up, his clothes have been repaired on top of his wound, which was yeah. really impressive. Well done, yeah. sarcophagus. Mm -hmm. Daniel gets out and goes over to the control panel to check the time on the C4 he planted earlier. He's got a minute 15 and he runs out of there. On Apophis's ship, through the window, we see that the other ship, Chlorel's ship, is drifting closer and closer. Apophis puts his hand in the controls, but they don't work because, of course, Braytac did shoot them before. <laughs> Corel's just kind of hanging out in the background here, and Apophis turns around and storms up to him and then whips back around and brings the rings down, ju -ju 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 -ju, <laughs> and they transport out somewhere. Mm. Don't know where they we went. Don't know where yet. Yeah. Back on Chlorel's ship, C4 is still counting down. The C4 doesn't count down. The timer on the C4 continues <laughs> to count down. That would be pretty impressive, I think. If it would. The, the bomb itself could do the things. Anyway, mm -hmm. Daniel has reached the gate room on the ship, and he stops for a moment to think of a place to dial, and he starts dialing. On Apophis's ship, the gliders are dropping down out of the hangar. Sam says to punch it. Let's punch it. Engage. Engage. Do it. And uh, where are we on the... Uh ongoing matter so far we have narrowed it down to to execute hit it and manifest punch it then they take off Woo. with less than 10 seconds left yeah. daniel manages to get the gate open and jumps through just as the counter hits one second left Ooh. out in space we get a lovely view of the two ships colliding and blowing up Big fiery explosion. And in the foreground, cool scene, the gliders fly away from the chaos that is happening behind them. And those gliders are thrown forward towards the camera. Yeah. Mm. At the SGC, Walter reports that there was a huge fireball in the night sky. So everyone in the command center wearing their lab coats start cheering. And throwing papers yeah. in the air. <laughs> They're very happy. Like, in real life, is that really ever anyone's reaction? I'm going to throw these important documents everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. And then who's going to clean it up and put everything back in order? It isn't necessary. The ship will clean itself. Hammond walks closer. He doesn't look happy, and I think it's because he's pretty sure that means SG-1 was aboard the ship and yeah. is assuming they're dead. Yeah, he just kind of looks stunned and is yeah. standing there with his mouth open. Yeah. He's the only one that's not cheering. No. Back out in space, in the gliders, everyone seems to be okay. The two gliders are flying side by side, and we can kind of see through Jack and Braytac's window into Sam and Teal'c's glider. Sam says she doesn't 
think they bought themselves a whole lot of time after all because apparently their glider is very badly damaged and low in power. And she thinks that they're just going to burn up in Earth's atmosphere. But Jack cuts her off and tells her to just look up. So she does. And she says it's beautiful. Apparently they're looking up at a really nice view of Earth from super close up. And Jack says, yes, it is. And Sam says, we saved it. And Jack says, yes, we did. In the SGC, we've got an incoming traveler. Walter reports that it's SG-1's code, so they open the iris and in walks Daniel. Or through walks Daniel, I guess. <laughs> uh, Hammond runs to greet him. He asks if the team was on the ship. Daniel says yes. Hammond asks how Daniel, how did he get out of there? And Daniel said that there was a Stargate aboard the ship and he realized it was close enough to Earth that he'd be able to dial out. So he dialed P3X984, which is apparently the address of their alpha site, but also the address of the beta site in the alternate universe, which is how Daniel knew it. Hammond wants to know where the rest of the team was. And Daniel's just quiet. Back out in space. I don't think that Sam necessarily specified that it was both gliders that were damaged, but apparently in this scene we really get the idea that it is yeah. both gliders, not just the one that she and Tilk are in. Braytak tells Tilk that they die well, and then Tilk says, more than that, old friend, we die free. Jack notices something out in front of them and kind of leans forward. We don't see what it is yet, but he says, or not. And then we do get a view of what he's seeing, and the Endeavor floats into view. Over the radio, we hear them calling to SG-1 and saying that they have them in sight. So, they get rescued, but we don't know how because they don't show it. So, how do they manage to get them down without everybody dying? Magic. 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 The magic of a happy ending. Yeah. Um, It was a really pretty scene, too. Like, them watching the Earth. The music was really nice. It was just another really well done scene. Um, Mm Yeah. Yeah. Like so many yeah. of them in this episode. Yeah. Back in the SGC, SG1 comes into the gate room to applause. Also, Braytac SG is there. SG3 quarters? Yes, SG3 quarters. <laughs> I'm sorry. SG1 minus Daniel. <laughs> Hammond walks over to greet Braytac and tells him words cannot express their gratitude. And Braytac says, You're Hammond of Texas and puts his hand over his head like when Daniel was it no Jack was <laughs> describing him as bald when yeah yeah uh, Braytac says his warriors serve him well and Hammond says he's sorry to see him go home so soon but Braytac says he needs to get back quick before word of what has happened reaches Tulak so they all nod and say goodbye and then a guy pulls Braytac aside and says he's got some questions before he leaves <laughs> yeah. and leads him out of the gate room. Which That seemed like a weird way to end Braytac's involvement in the episode. But also, why are they then in the gate room if not to say goodbye to Braytac? It doesn't yeah. make any sense why they're all just gathered in right. there. Also a great question. It's not like they had just come in through the gate because they were well, brought back on the shuttle yeah. and they came. They, we saw them coming into the gate room <laughs> from the door, not the gate. Yeah. Hammond then tells SG three quarters that someone would like to see him (laughs) and they look expectantly in the crowd and Daniel comes through to greet them and they're all smiles and hugs. Jack calls him Why was he standing behind I don't know. (laughs) He wanted it to be a surprise. He like literally shoves people aside to come forward. (laughs) Jack calls him a space monkey. (laughs) <laughs> he did okay yep. so then everyone's just kind of milling around and hugging yep. and we pan back and the final scene is this crowd of happy people seen through the stargate yeah so yeah so Whew. that was quite an episode it was it was very fast paced there were a lot of short scenes yes. in that. yes there were yeah I, I think I know your answer Yes. But how did you like this episode? I didn't like it. I lied before. (laughs) 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 Traitor. (laughs) I just wanted to mess you up. Yeah, obviously I liked the episode a lot. Um, As I said, it was really fast paced. It was a very exciting episode. There were a ton of great scenes. I thought it was a really great episode for Hammond in particular um, with his character just being so 
reviled, uh, just so hating on Samuels. And it was a really good episode for, uh, who else was I going to say? Um, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, I forget what I was going to say after that. Um, (laughs) my brain isn't working. Mine either. Um, yeah, so it was a really good episode for Hammond, who just clearly hated Samuels so much. There was a lot of good dialogue in it that was either like really poignant or made me laugh or was just funny and silly. And a lot of good, cool-looking shots and transitions. So I thought it was a great episode all around. And my only complaint, my one complaint, is that Sam like had practically no role in it like we point out like she had she did a couple things here and there but most of what we get at sam is just a screenshot of her silently reacting to things other people are saying and she had like hardly any dialogue herself and other than like being the timekeeper for the c4 she like really wasn't all that involved in like anything that was really happening and so that bothered me a little bit but i feel like i i kind of it kind of no I kind of noticed it as I was watching the episode and was like, well, maybe I was just kind of imagining things and it just seemed like she wasn't really involved. But then as we're going through and I realized like she has hardly shown up in my notes at all, except for like a little bit here and there. So yeah, she really didn't have anything particularly important to do in this episode, which is the only thing I didn't like, but overall, right. Yeah. I loved the episode. I thought it was great. Yeah. I too thought it was great. Um, yeah. I think we liked a lot of the same things. Loved Hammond. Mm-hmm. Loved him in this episode. I thought Apophis and Chlorel were both great. Like, I mean, yeah. they're obviously evil monsters that we hope are dead, but, you know. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but probably not. Yeah. Out, but we'll see. Uh, I, they were really good. They, I really... Daniel was great. Uh, I really enjoyed the interactions between Braytac and O'Neill. They... Yes. They were very fun sort of showing off for each other and like kind of, I don't want to say one-upping, but yeah, just kind of their sort of friendly rivalry, I guess, even yes. though Breetack's calling him human through all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's just his way. <laughs> yes. Um, again, I also really like the transitions and um, I actually really like the visual of the explosion too, because like this, mm-hmm. these two ships kind of crash into each other and they're both exploding but then they just merge into this one big ball of fire and i really like that i thought it was a surprisingly good effect for a 90s tv show yeah really because like you know it was still kind of early in a lot of like cg graphics and you would see this kind of stuff maybe in movies but it surprised me that like a fairly i think this show was fairly low budget at the time maybe i'm just making assumptions but it really kind of surprised me that a show that is just on TV would have a really yeah. good effect like that. And I mean, like I'm sure that their CG budget's pretty high because of all the stuff they do with like the gate effects and everything. Yeah. But, but I thought it was a really great effect uh, or great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great explosion scene. I think they were still working with Showtime money at this point and maybe they wanted to put a lot into uh, the new season yeah. start Maybe. anyway. Yep. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot of good stuff. Jack was really funny, but then the serious, of everything also was well treated like it wasn't just him joking all the time and and right so yeah the whole thing yeah except apparently that there's no carter which is terrible but right (sighs) which i didn't really realize until you said that so (laughs) yeah Yeah. to be fair i don't think that daniel really has a whole huge role either but he does obviously have a big role at the end so that kind of makes up for the fact that he doesn't do a whole lot yeah earlier in the episode because he's got like his big leaping across the hall scene and then yeah the whole, the whole scene where he like just makes it off the ship just barely in time so like he kind of gets his own little interesting side story and, but she doesn't get that either Tilk also actually this might just be the jack and Braytac show because yeah. <laughs> Tilk, Tilk said things but he was mostly like explaining things like true stating the obvious about what's happening like the shield is down or this is yeah. what a bomb does yeah, he had a good amount of dialogue, but it didn't really progress the story about a whole lot. Yeah. You're right. He just kind of was like the encyclopedia, <laughs> the translator between Braytac and yeah. Jack. That's so good. Yeah, it's such so a good, good episode. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What is next? What is next? Let me pull it up. Just continue to use the Netflix description. 
if it will ever oops i just started an episode instead of hold on <laughs> good job it's so easy to do on the on the, on the <laughs> computer like you just click on the icon and there it is i'm gonna go down there we go season two episode two is called in the line of duty as the sg1 team hopes to rescue duty. the sur- <laughs> thank you <laughs> In the line of duty. (laughs) Anyway. As the SG-1 team hopes to rescue the survivors of a planet attacked by the gold, Carter's body is taken over by a gold, which returns to Earth. Holy cow. Yeah. My goodness. Sounds exciting. Probably not as exciting as this episode. Probably not. Nonetheless. It'd be hard to top this one, I think. It would. Yeah. Yeah. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so on your podcatcher of choice. New episodes are released every other Monday, and you can find it on YouTube as well. We very much appreciate reviews and likes as they help others to find our podcast. And what helps others even more to find our podcast is word of mouth. So if you like the show, please tell everybody that you know about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us. We're at stargatesing at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at stargatesing. And you can share our page or join our group on Facebook, Stargatesing, on both of those. We're on patreon.com slash Stargatesing if you're feeling generous and would like to help with our production costs. And you can, of course, find us on our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. Yay! Indeed. Woohoo! I'm done now. Am I done? No, I'm not. I'm not done. I'm never done! Kathy's never done. Never, ever done. It's a lovely song. Thank you. Never, ever done. Never, ever done. Totally leaving this in. Great. That's great. I'm so happy to hear it. (laughs) This is the new musical podcast with Kathy singing. I can't talk. Singing nonsense. You should sing all of your descriptions of um, what's going on from now Oh my god. Everything that you explained about the episode, you should be singing it. SG-1 enters the gate room to applause. (laughs) They deserve it. Heaven walks over to greet Bray Tack. I really, that's too much. <laughs> Good times. <Yeah. laughs>